windows. The Bucks got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. East Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys. Hunter Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Nucky spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible. Jarvis Jones, the game winner, got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got him. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. Say hello to my little friend. What's your name, man? I told you. It doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff. And you still have no talent. It's Sandos and the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Sandos outside kick in on this Monday morning. And welcome, folks. This is Sandos and the Sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Campus is closed today, but that will not stop us from getting you our Monday edition of the podcast. You can find us on SoundCloud or iTunes. Simply search on Google or iTunes or SoundCloud, really anywhere, and it'll come up. There's not a whole lot of Sandos and the Sidekicks out there. You'll be able to find all of our shows. This is episode number 70, which seems crazy. It's been a power-packed first three and a half months of the ETSU Athletics 2018-19 year. Plenty more to come. We're roughly halfway through the semester, roughly halfway through the school and athletic year, and things going very well right now for ETSU men's basketball. We'll detail their game against UT Martin from Saturday here in just a few moments. After that, we've got a mystery guest. So with Jay out, we're going to postpone pros versus Jays. That's usually in the third segment of the show. We're actually going to do that on Wednesday when Jay is back. He's back Tuesday, but just a straight swap of Mystery guest and pros versus Jays seems the most logical thing to do. So that is what we will do. Had a chance to get in touch with a big hitter in media earlier this morning, and he will be the one that joins us about middle of the show or so. And then in the last segment, I don't think there's any doubt that we'll do bold predictions, our recap of the prognostications from the weekend. Let's be honest, Jay doesn't want to be here for those anyway. He's always wrong, and to hear about it week after week has to be demoralizing, really bring him down. Makes it tough to get through the rest of the day. I've been there. I will actually be there again because I don't think I got any of my bold predictions right, but we'll save the specifics for later. But Jay has expressed that he isn't such a fan of hearing that he is wrong, uh, and I can't blame him. So we will do bold predictions without him and spare him that agony and the defeat that he will once again uh, experience by hearing those predictions rehashed by Jacob Townsend, who is back in studio, who will be Along with us later, ETSU women's basketball. They've got a game tomorrow against UNC Asheville. How smart did it prove that they had that scheduled Sunday, ended up moving it to Tuesday. That gives this snow, which is, boy, totaled in some places, it looks like over a foot, a chance to melt. The snow just to stop falling would be improvement at this point. But uh, ETSU women's basketball, they proved to be profits as the snow continued to fall, continues to fall, and we'll preview that tomorrow. ETSU women's basketball and the UNC Asheville Bulldogs just over the mountain. Myself, 
along with a couple others in our department, will be there. We'll not have the broadcast of that on the Buccaneer Sports Network because of a conflict at AM640, the Sports Monster, but we will have coverage in a different form from Asheville. And again, that comes to you tomorrow, 6.30, of course, usually pregame time, 7 o'clock tap for uh, the Bucks and Asheville as they try to go for their second win of the year and uh, going to try and get creative since we can't do a radio broadcast, going to try and do a few other things to make sure that ETSU women's basketball getting the love that they deserve. Head coach Brittany Azell and company still have some time to turn their non-conference season around going towards the SoCon year. Let's go back to UT Martin and ETSU. 18-point win for the Bucks at Freedom Hall on Star Wars Day on Saturday. It was very festive, 4,200 inside Freedom Hall as Jay Sandoz, who called the game while not with us today, gave you the details, and you can hear all of those on the Fast Break 40 on the Buccaneer Sports Network SoundCloud page. We did that for ETSU football in the form of um, of Saturday and 6, basically same type of deal. Fast break 40 is what we call it for the basketball season. It's about six or so minutes where you jam-pack all the highlights, narratives, uh, big plays, things such as that, into a quick highlight package with some commentary mixed in. So you can hear that on the Buccaneer Sports Network SoundCloud. Here's how things went. It was a good start for UT Martin. They got off to a 5 nothing advantage, but ETSU scored the next six. And then it was back and forth for most of the first half until the Skyhawks built a six-point lead. Preston Parks on a uh, layup on the fast break. Preston Parks, of course, a Citadel transfer who came out and flat out said that he was not happy at Citadel after he decided, and I think it was a mutual choice, just reading the articles and really how things went. It sounded like it got a little bit ugly in a meeting um, in the early portions of the 2017-18 year. He decided to transfer, ended up at UT Martin. He was the Southern Conference Freshman of the Year when he was at Citadel in the 2016-17 year. So the last two freshmen of the year in the SoCon were on the court at Freedom Hall on Saturday. But Preston Parks, who is leading the team in scoring for the Skyhawks, 15 a game, he lays one in to make it 36-29 to with three minutes to go in that first half. The Bucks cut it to five right before the break. But then a big second half, 47-24, to the Bucks outscore the Skyhawks and end up running away with it 80 80- to 62 and I had to go back and check because it always can be a product of your imagination whenever you are in your own personal uh, narrative bubble right you, you have to make sure to double check either via stats or talking to others if what you think to be the case is the case and in this case I can swear that ETSU is behind at the half and end up turning games on their head uh, seemingly every night but I had to go back and look just to make sure That was the case, and really what I came up with was a two-pronged answer. It kind of is, but it kind of isn't. ETSU is plus 60 in the first half this year. They've trailed at the half five times. Now, that may not seem like a lot, and it isn't necessarily a lot in 11 games or 8-3, and but a team that's won eight games, you wouldn't expect to trail at the half maybe as often as they had. It's certainly not as often as I thought it was, though. They have outscored opponents, as we mentioned, by 60 points in the first half, but If you take away the Reinhardt and Hawassi games, they're actually a minus four 
in the first half. So obviously, Hawassi, Reinhardt being what they are, uh, non-Division One games, uh, you're going to get up on them early. It was 25 against Reinhardt, and against Hawassi, it was like 58-19 to 19 at the break, a 39-point lead. So actually, minus four in the first half in true Division One games. The only game they've trailed in at the half by more than five, though, was against Sam Houston State when they were down 13, and they quickly erased that deficit, and then some ended up winning by 14. So is it the case? Well, not as much as I thought. I could have sworn it was like seven, eight, nine times they had trailed at the half. Not true, but to the plus side of what I'm discussing, to the affirmative, they have a number of times now uh, been behind at the half, but never big. So again, there's a little bit of yes, a little bit of no. Uh, in the second half, though, just to bolster the point, it, having it seem like they're more of a second half team, they are plus 105 in the second half. So while the first halves haven't been as much to the negative as I had thought, except if you take away the Hawassi and Reinhardt game, there is that point there that it kind of has been. They definitely have been better in that second half, plus 105, and a lot of that came from this past contest against UT Martin, and then go to the Sam Houston State game as well, where they were down by 13. They end up outscoring Sam Houston State 48-21, to 21. so maybe it's just those games that stand out in my mind a bit more, uh, but also have never really been out of a game. Um, after that first half, they've trailed by five or less four times and then, of course, trailed by 13 against Sam Houston State before roaring back. So not as much of an issue as I thought, but certainly still prevalent to a point. The Bucks improving to eight and three, as we mentioned, after that big second half. And Trey Boyd, who came off the bench, scored 20 who is second on the team in scoring, as a matter of fact, to Jerome Rodriguez, who went for 21-16. and 16. What a massive day for him, still leading the nation in total rebounds, second in the nation in rebounds per game. Aladdin Armas, 10 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists. He sealed it, really, with 4 minutes to go. Aladdin Armas getting a steal, a breakaway dunk, made it a 15-point game uh, going into that final media timeout. So Aladdin Armas doing a little bit of everything, and we've talked about it on the show before. Uh, he obviously can score. We know that. Remember the all-freshman team last year? He obviously can hit the glass, but his passing game seems to have developed so much more this year. And ETSU is doing a lot of sharing of the ball. 21 assists on 31 field goals. UT Martin had just... 12 assists. The Bucks end up making 31 field goals to the 21 of UT Martin. Outshoot them by 16% from the floor. Out-rebound them 45-29. to 29. Really just a thrashing in that second half. Rodriguez and Boyd 20-plus. Armis 10 in double figures with those 8 rebounds and 6 assists. Patrick good. 4 of 10 from outside. 5 of 11 from the field. Couple of steals. An assist, a rebound, a block. He had 14 total. So ETSU, another victory. And they did it really, and I hate to say it this way, but in spite of Bo Hodges, he had 13 minutes that he was on the floor. Just 4 points, 4 fouls. And head coach Steve Forbes' new post game that things have just not broken his way so far this year. He just can't get going, man. I feel bad. He just can't get in a rhythm. And, you know, he misses five games, and then he plays well against Wofford. But then, you know, he's just in foul trouble. And, you know, we got to find a way to get him going every game. And he'll, it'll happen. You know, he's just his timing's not right right now. So Bo's played three games at the outset of the year, right, then missed the next five, comes back against Wofford and was good. Throw out really the Reinhardt game. Uh, ETSU didn't need him, obviously. Didn't play a ton. Ended up getting uh, seven points on 204 from the field. But then foul trouble 
in this past game against UT Martin, and you can hear Coach Forbes in his voice. He, he truly is hurting for Bo Hodges, and I think it's a testament that he sounds that way to how it must be affecting Bo, but this team certainly seems like a culture of positivity is built. You don't feel like there's anyone that's around the team that's saying, come on, man, we need you. What's going on? I'm sure his teammates are boosting him up, but also when you hear Coach Forbes in that tone, you must also know how it does feel for Bo and how much he must be struggling with this, and I don't think it's affecting his play at all. I certainly think that it's just getting your feet wet in, in the non-conference year, being out there consistently, a couple things that he just hasn't had the chance to do. The Southern Conference Freshman of the Year, we mentioned that Preston Parks was at Citadel in this contest for UT Martin, but then Bo Hodges last year, the Freshman of the Year, all-freshman team, and someone that was picked to do extraordinary things this year for the Bucks and really be the number one option. He has not been that yet, but ETSU is still 8-3, and three, so Bo Hodges, while he hasn't had that consistent playing time hasn't seen the consistent production come much like it uh, did last year uh, in the 2017-18 year his first on campus for ETSU there is a lot of time for him to do that and really one does it matter and we talk about this a lot with Jay Sandoz when he's here but when that conference season comes around and he's been picked up by his teammates I'm sure not only in the locker room just telling him to keep his head up but also in the fact that Trey Boyd has had a number of big games Patrick Good has filled it up for me on the arc. The posts have been the big story of the year in Rodriguez, Armas, and even to a point, uh, James Harrison. Um, he only had two points on one of two from the field and a couple of rebounds this past game, but off the bench, he's been a spark plug offensively. And when you have the depth to be able to bring Trey Boyd off the bench like ETSU did against UT Martin, and certainly there are more productive days ahead for Bo Hodges as he continues to work to get back from the injuries that he's sustained not only in the offseason, but as he was trying to recover early in this year. When you have that depth, and you'll start Hodges, I'm sure, and things will probably look a lot like they did with Trey Boyd coming off the bench. And then Hodges starting once he is really back as ETSU fans uh, know him to be. Uh, what an asset for Steve Forbes and this squad uh, to have a guy like Trey Boyd who can go for 20 off the bench seemingly at any time. Uh, there were some holes in ETSU's performance. Uh, Bo Hodges wasn't the only one. Uh, turnover's an issue for Coach Forbes' squad, especially in the first half. Turn it over too much, again, 17 times, and some of those, again, trying to throw it out of the post. But they do a good job of finding those guys and just got to make the easy play. You know, and I thought we did a pretty good job of that in the second half. Coach Forbes qualified that comment by saying, yeah, a lot of turnovers out of the post, but you got to realize that we are throwing the ball in the post so much, and a lot more than last year, and uh, to a point where you're going to expect more turnovers. And he is right. Milad Narmas, 30 turnovers this year, and Jerome Rodriguez, 24. Those two, the most turnovers on the team, but with extra touches are going to come extra mistakes. That's just how it works. Uh, throwing it in the post with Armas and Rodriguez seems to be something that ETSU leans on, and how could you not right now? I mean, Jerome Rodriguez going for 21 and 16, another double-double, and Milad and Armas, his stats, not only the fact that he had 10, 8, and 6, but 5 of 6 from the field. I mean, in 22 minutes, it wasn't out there like every minute of the game. He had some foul trouble here and there, but 22 minutes to put up those kind of numbers is incredible, and so the fact that you can work that down low, then open up the outside with good shooters like Patrick Good and Trey Boyd, who most of the year have been in the top 30 in the nation in three-point field goals made, it's definitely a complete team effort, uh, and you're using every foot of the floor when it comes to the offensive end. So while those turnovers have come, ETSU did overcome them, and certainly Coach Forbes not holding 
some of those mistakes down low from Laden Armis and Jerome Rodriguez against them. Here's what's next for the Bucs. Thursday, Trey, Mladen, Bo, and Pat didn't practice. When you think about it, you know, they were out. And so, you're right, we need some time. We also need some practice time, but we got to be mindful of, of finals. You know, like Mladen's an engineer degree. He's got some tough classes coming at him. And so, we're going to take tomorrow and Monday off. Tuesday will just be individuals. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we'll, pra- we'll practice here Friday before we go to Illinois, and we'll just shoot there later. So we'll get three hard practices in before we go uh, play the Illini. And we cannot turn the ball over against Illinois. It'll be a problem. Take care of the ball, we're going to have a chance. But if we don't, we won't. And that's going to be a big key of emphasis this week is taking care of the ball. Hey, 8-3 and three at this point. Obviously, like to be 11-0, and 0, but 8-3, and three, we'll take it and we'll move on. It's interesting the matchup against Illinois this coming Saturday, and we'll talk way more in depth about this as the week goes on. The Big Ten is already underway in conference play, much like ETSU here in the Southern Conference is. Of course, the four-week break now from the Wofford game to the Furming game, but already a pair of Big Ten losses for Illinois. They were projected 13th of 14th in the Big Ten preseason poll, lost to Nebraska by 15, I think. That was probably surprising for most that Nebraska has gotten off to the start that they have, but they have been very good early in the year. Number 19, Ohio State, a 10-point loss, but you look at some of the other losses, just a two-point loss to Notre Dame, nine-point loss to Xavier, eh, 16, got a little out of hand against Iowa State, but Illinois proved that they can hang in games with the best of them. Gonzaga, number three in the country at the time out at the Maui Invitational, 84-78. to Of course, Gonzaga now number one in the country, and then an eight-point loss to Georgetown. So Illinois, 3-7 and seven on the year. I want to compare it to the Creighton game simply because of where the projections were in the preseason for both teams. A couple of Power 5, quote-unquote, Power 5 conferences in the Big East with Creighton being projected ninth of 10 and Illinois being projected 13th of 14 in the Big Ten. 10, but it's hard to do that when the early season results haven't followed. Yeah, Illinois has been in a lot of close games, but they're 3-7, and seven, where Creighton has outperformed that ninth of 10 projection in the Big East. They're 6-3. and three. So, again, a lot more about that uh, as the week goes along. ETSU has now won 7 of 8. They are 44-8 and eight under head coach Steve Forbes in his time at Freedom Hall. 44-8 and eight at home. Very tough place for opponents to win, especially on Star Wars night, right? Okay, when we're back, mystery guest. Yeah, I know you can go and click on the tweet and see who it is or read in the description who it is. I'm still keeping it a secret because I'm going to assume that you just hit play and you don't even look at the description. Why am I assuming that? I have no idea because all you have to do is use your eyes. Keeping it a secret to make sure that the mystery guest is kept intact. When we're back on the Buccaneer Sports Network. Dashing down the street with candles all aflame By car, by horse, by feet Hooray for holiday games Very small and bright A scratchable delight What fun it is to play and give Holiday games tonight Holiday games, holiday games Holiday instant games Oh, what fun they are to play Throughout the holidays Give the gift of holiday instant games Only from the Tennessee Lottery Game-changing fun Please play responsibly Wow, am I happy about my new Wow Rate e-checking account at Citizens Bank. I got a huge rate on my deposit and great account features. With that sort of a deal, I'm saving for much-needed bucks tickets to cheer on my team. Learn more about Wow Rate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Wow Rate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Go Bucks! Bank your own way. Citizens Bank member FDIC. 
Looking to promote your business but don't know the best avenue? Stand out from the crowd and go big with billboards. We're Allison Outdoor, and we're the new guys in town. Whether it's digital or traditional billboards, our locations span the Tri-Cities. If you're looking for high exposure for a day, a year, or anything in between, we have rates and packages for you. Call Nick Stickley for pricing at 423-360-4809 or allisonoutdoor.com. And go Bucks! Every year, the family counts on you to make the holidays happen, so enjoying them yourself can sometimes be a struggle. Thankfully, Food City's here to help. Convenient services like curbside pickup, fresh-baked goods, in-house butchers, made-to-order deli trays, and more mean less time preparing and more time sharing. So go ahead, trim the tree, deck the halls, or dash through snow. Whatever your holiday traditions, make the most of them. Food City, how the holidays happen. Today and every day, the Johnson City Way. Johnson City Hyundai is proud to support East Tennessee State Athletics. Excellence in education, teamwork and trust, success and understanding. They are the core values that drive the ETSU Athletics program to excellence. ETSU Athletics and Johnson City Honda, a winning combination. The Johnson City Way. Today and every day, Johnson City Honda is committed to bringing the Tri-Cities a truly unique way to buy a new Honda or a certified pre-owned Honda. It's a way of business we like to call the Johnson City Way. When you come to Johnson City Honda, you can have the confidence in knowing you're getting a great deal along with outstanding customer service that will last long after the sale. We invite you to come by today and shop our outstanding selection of vehicles and experience a different way, an easy way, our way, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, proud to support the ETSU Athletics Program. Today and every day, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, Johnson City. Trick Daddy, Tram, the insult comic dog. Who's next? I don't know what's gonna happen. The secrets. Sandos and the sidekick. Best bumper alive, mystery guest Dan Wolken from USA Today. Dan, thanks so much for taking some time with us today. Ain't no problem. Overall, after everything has played out the way it has, with Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Clemson, and Alabama getting in from 4-1 to one respectively, Georgia and Ohio State 5-6 and six on the outside looking in, do you feel more or less confident in the college football playoff system now than you did at the end of November? Well, the system has worked essentially as it was designed. I mean, we can talk about flaws in the design of it. But ultimately, when this thing was created in 2012, 2013, the conference commissioners wanted certain parameters to be around the selections. You can say for best, uh, but that's really just sort of an out in case there's some crazy uh, meltdown of, of teams that win conferences. They, they wanted the emphasis on conference champions, and that's essentially what they've gotten. Now, there have been a couple of situations where it hasn't been the case but ultimately um when they say four best what they are talking about is who's had the four best seasons and i think this year uh, they probably got that exactly right 
You wrote an article around the exact point I feel with the current system, that it's the same old, same old, and it's producing the same results, which is, as you put it, liable to get stale fast. I'll just quote from the article. If the primary argument against the old BCS was that it didn't give enough teams a fair shot to compete for a national championship, the playoff has actually seemed to narrow the field rather than expand it. You also make the point that the committee has made the right decision. So my question is, Dan, do you view this as a problem at all? Well, problems are all relative. Um, This is a better system than what was in place with the BCS for a variety of reasons. Uh, But on the other hand, it's it's not an eight-team playoff. And really, until we get there, where conference champions get in and there's some spots for maybe some others, uh, it's not really a playoff. It's more of an invitational. And I think the matchups, when they – began were interesting now and this isn't necessarily the fault of the system but uh it's a lot of clemson a lot of alabama a lot of oklahoma only 10 teams in five years have made it 10 different schools so you know i do think over time if if that kind of dominance continues it does risk getting a little bit stale for a lot of people out there Barrett Salee was on the show in this lot last week and said that Central Florida doesn't want to be in the playoff. They've had the chance to schedule big games and, I quote, haven't done it. What's your feeling on that? And overall for UCF, where the results have them finishing eighth this year, where does that leave a program that's won 25 in a row but seemingly has no chance to get the chance at a playoff title? Well, I don't agree that they don't want to be in the playoff. I think they'd love to be in the playoff. But I think everybody knows that given the current model it's not realistic for a team from the group of five to get in it's just not set up that way uh so where does it leave ucf uh it leaves them in the fiesta bowl leaves them in the peach bowl and you know they're gonna be clawing for opportunities um you know scheduling is is difficult uh and a lot of times you know we can throw a lot of theoretical schedule out there and it doesn't really make sense in the real world um no matter what kind of non-conference schedule ucf puts together that doesn't change the fact that that they're not getting in the system was not designed for them uh so i I think when we talk about scheduling with them it really kind of moves the argument to an unrealistic place the reality of of their situation is as long as there's a four-team playoff uh a team that that goes undefeated in the American Conference or the Mountain West, they're, they're just not getting in. The point's been made on this show before that scheduling being made as far out as it is leaves UCF in a place of kind of purgatory where even if they did try to schedule, maybe some of those games wouldn't be on the schedule, the big games for three or four years down the road. Can you deny or affirm that thought? Well, whenever you are trying to put together a schedule for a college football team, uh, you sign the contracts years in advance. That's just the way it gets done. Now, if there was a wholesale way to change that, that system, uh, that would be great because then we could maybe get better matchups, but uh, that goes for everybody, not just UCF and UCF's case. Yeah. If you make a deal to play a team in 2022 or 2023, it may look good right now on paper, but uh, ultimately that far in advance, things happen. Coaches leave, um, programs rise and fall and, and you may catch somebody at a low ebb. So, yeah, I mean, there's no way you, that's why I said, there's no way you could put together a schedule that gets UCF to a place where um, 
you know, they, they would be an acceptable team to put in the playoff by, by those committee members. A couple off topic of the playoff, Dan. It's head coach shuffle season. I know, though, you've been actually looking at a lot of assistance and how it literally and figuratively pays to stay in that type of position. As we go through the postseason and generally moving forward with top-end assistance making over a million per year, do you see assistants flat out turning down attractive head jobs to stay where they're at? And tell us a little bit more about the work you've done in that area. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely more of a trend now than maybe it was five years ago where you only had two two or three assistants in the country who made a million dollars a year. Now you've got over 20 assistant coaches who make over a million dollars a year uh, because a lot of teams, a lot of programs and head coaches value the stability, value the, the specialization that's on their staff with uh, uh, you know a defensive coordinator, for instance, who's really good. And uh, that makes those jobs really attractive to stay. Uh, People can be at the heart of a bidding war for coordinator positions now, so they get these contracts where you know, they get maybe three years guaranteed, $1.5 million. Um, that's a lot of money, and unless you just really want to be a head coach where there are fewer opportunities, uh, then it it's becomes more attractive to stay. So now you know, if you're a school who's in the group of five, you want to hire a head coach, you, know, you can pay them a million dollars a year uh, or, or so, you can't necessarily give people a raise to be head coaches who are superstar coordinators. So it's really changed the dynamic of how a lot of these uh, hires get made. Bowl season as well, on top of head coach shuffle season. I know it seemed like on Twitter you're down on Michigan, Florida, as are most, it seems like. There's another one like that, in my mind at least. Wisconsin, Miami seems like two underachieving big-name programs in a game that doesn't really matter. Any especially interesting or uninteresting games you see on the slate over the final four weeks of college football this year? Um, no, I mean, all the focus goes to the playoff, really, this time of year. The other games kind of are there as, as exhibitions, in a sense. And you now have a lot of players who feel like they're going to get picked in the first or second round of the NFL draft who decide not to participate. Um, there's no question that it's diminished some of the other games in, in stature, uh, but that just comes with the territory. That was uh, unintended consequence, uh, but a predictable consequence of the playoff system when it came into ex- existence. It really defines everything about not just the regular season, but also the postseason. I'm sure when the other games come around, they're going to be interesting to watch. They're going to provide good entertainment, but that's really all they are is television programming at a slow time of year. Will Greer is one of those that decided to forego his upcoming bowl to focus on the draft. He's rated as like anywhere from the fourth to seventh best quarterback in this upcoming class. I think we all knew that there were going to be top end prospects that were going to be skipping bowls, but is this a stretch by Will Greer? No, I mean, look, everyone's got to make a decision for themselves on on what's best for, for them in their career. And I think you find with a lot of people, these bowl games just aren't that important to them. And, and that's fine. Uh, you know, if it's, it's your body, it's your career that's ahead of you. You know, if you feel like you're going to be uh, first or second or third round pick, you're going to make, you know, a couple million dollars. Um, the, the risk of playing a game is maybe not worth it to you. And, and that's fine. Like I just, I'm not going to ar- sit there and argue with the choices people make. Last topic, Dan, the Heisman Trophy. Were you on board with the Kyler Murray selection? I mean, sure. Uh, any of the, the top three in 
other years would have been worthy winners. They all put up incredible numbers and had successful seasons. I think at the end, it was a very close uh, race, a close choice. Uh, I don't know who I would have voted for, uh, but I know a lot of people who did vote and, and felt like it was a really tough decision. And, you know, ultimately, uh, maybe some people got swayed by what they saw last, uh, which was uh, Tua Bailoa struggling against Georgia. I also think you do have to consider Kyler Murray had the highest quarterback rating of, of any uh, college quarterback season ever, uh, which is, I think, pretty impressive. So if it would have gone the other way, I wouldn't have had a problem with it either. It's, you know, it was a, it was a tough year, and typically it's an obvious choice this year. It wasn't. Somebody had to win, and I think Kyler Murray was very deserving. He's a heck of an athlete. This can be a complicated scenario for a young man, one his dad actually already went through, baseball or football. Difficult decision. Already signed the baseball contract with the A's, but is a Heisman winner going to go play another sport? Charlie Ward did it in 1993, the only Heisman winner to ever play in the NBA. Tim Tebow has kind of reversed his path from football to baseball. Bo Jackson, of course, tough to tell where this story may take, Kyler, isn't it, Dan? Well, yeah, I mean, ultimately, you know, he's going to have to weigh all the factors, and that's going to include, you know, risk of injury. It's going to include possibility of getting picked in the first round of the NFL draft and what kind of money might come with that and what kind of long-term career he could have in the NFL if he chose to go that route Uh, and also what he most wants to do. That that is a huge factor as well. So, uh, you know, I can't pretend to to, uh, make that decision for him um, or say what's best for him. Uh, but uh, I certainly, you know, I'm sure he's going to give it careful consideration and do what he feels is in his best long-term future. Brandon Whedon went to the NFL at 29, so certainly there's some buffer area, buffer room there for anyone that's trying to make this decision. Dan, thank you so much for the time. We'll be watching you at USA Today. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll catch up soon. Thank you. That's Dan Walken. From what I understand, uh, he and Tennessee fans are not so tight. Uh, I didn't know that going into the interview. I wasn't going to ask him about it, but I guess in this area he is uh, not so loved. Well, I made sure to stay away from any topic that would get him in trouble with any fans from this great state of Tennessee. Just focused on the college football playoff. Talked about bowl season, head coaching season, assistant coaching season, which seems to be where Dan Wolken is more focused at the moment than on the head openings. And I saw some things online, and they make good points that there just aren't a ton of huge jobs that have come free for those that are on the job market to look at. Maybe not uh, a coaching season that is as eventful as last year when there were a ton of power fives and some prominent programs that were looking for new head coaches. But regardless, uh, always interesting drama, always going to be some shuffles this time of year, and appreciate Dan Wolken taking some time to talk about it with us. We're back to ETSU men's basketball. Kevin Brown, men's basketball SID, going to join us to talk about the UT Martin win for ETSU on Saturday and also take a brief look ahead to Illinois coming up five days from now. When we're back in Santos and the Sidekick on the Buccaneer Sports Network. Ballot Health is an integrated healthcare system built to meet the local needs in Northeast Tennessee and Southwest Virginia. Together with community, we're transforming our region. We're making communities healthier. We're expanding access to critical services in rural areas. And we're investing in health research and medical education. It's your story. We're listening. Ballot Health is proud to be the official health care provider of ETSU Athletics, Go Bucks!
The Carnegie Hotel is Johnson City's only AAA four-diamond property that is unique, tranquil, and brimming with character, just adjacent to East Tennessee State University. When it's time to dine, Wellington's Restaurant in the Carnegie Hotel is the place to be, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner in grand style. And why not come indulge yourself at Austin Springs Spa, located right inside the Carnegie Hotel. East Tennessee's premier full-service spa provides everything you need to rejuvenate, revive, and renew. The Carnegie Hotel, 1216 State of Franklin Road in Johnson City. Nothing says breakfast like maple syrup. And nothing says breakfast any time of day like Wendy's new bacon maple chicken sandwich. Applewood smoked bacon, juicy chicken, sweet maple glaze on a croissant bun. It gives you all the great breakfast flavors when you're awake enough to enjoy them. So stop by Wendy's and enjoy the bacon maple chicken sandwich whenever you want. Now participating Wendy's for a limited time. Mulligan Hardwood Flooring is a beautiful addition to any room. Enjoy the luxury of hardwood flooring in your home with Mulligan's pre-finished, sold, or engineered, ready-to-install selection of beautiful hardwood flooring and a wide variety of domestic and exotic species. Please visit the following Johnson City locations to learn more. Dockery's Floor Covering, House of Paneling, Carpet and Door Mart, and K&M Flooring. Kingsport locations include Dalton Direct Carpets, Custom Floors by Carlin, El Providence Flooring and Paint. Visit the Smile Floor Service in Bristol. Trust the clear leader in quality hardwood flooring, Mulligan Flooring. General Shale is proud to support ETSU basketball and Southern Conference fans everywhere. Want to make the most of game day? Now you can design your dream home during pregame or halftime. The new My Designs app by General Shale lets you design custom projects right from your phone or tablet. Choose from up to 10 building types designed with over 50 of our most popular brick and stone colors. You can even share your designs with your friends. Download the My Designs app by General Shale on the App Store or visit MyDesignsApp.com to design your dream project today. The ETSU Coaches Show, back on Mondays for the basketball season. After leading their teams to the Southern Conference Championship game last year, Steve Forbes and Brittany Izell return to Wild Wing Cafe every Monday night to chat with Voice of the Bucks' Jay Sandos about the quest to get their squads to the NCAA tournament. Every Monday through early March, make sure to tune in at 6 p.m. to hear from the heads of ETSU men's and women's basketball right here on WXSM AM 640, the Extreme Sports Monster. Well, we could have gone with a rock bumper, a hip-hop bumper, pirate bumper, or techno bumper. But, of course, we have to go with rock because the man on the show now only likes Pearl Jam and Pearl Jam only in his music library. Kevin Brown, the SID for men's basketball. Also, the SID for football. This is like your second or third time on the show, Kevin. And I want to hear your thoughts on working with Coach Forbes versus Coach Sanders. We absolutely love both on the show. Coach Sanders, of course, with the Randy Sanders montage. We're still trying to workshop something for Coach Forbes. Obviously, a consummate pro himself. Gives great quotes, but very knowledgeable. A ton of success already at ETSU. And Coach Sanders still Starts with this amazing year that the ETSU football team had. Forbes versus Sanders, your thoughts? Well, Mike, uh, I guess the first thing that comes to mind is they're they're both proven winners. You know, you get to follow both of their careers, and you look at what they've done, and all they do is win, and have a lot of success, and 
that's why, no surprise, there was a lot of success in the football season this year. And right now, men's basketball is 8-3, and three, and they're, they're riding high. So two successful coaches and just two guys that are they're going to tell you how it is. They're upfront and honest with you, and what they say is what you get. Does Coach Forbes have an addiction to chips like Randy Sanders has with Doritos? Nah, they both like to smoke cigars, but uh, <laughs> the chips, uh, I don't know. That's a good question. We'll have to try to find that one out and, uh, and see if we need to get another Doritos uh, contract going. Similarities and differences between the two for sure, but both definitely win. Okay, uh, let's talk about the bench first, Kevin. Uh, obviously, ETSU has developed some depth since Bo Hodges has come back. He's played three games with mixed results so far. We talked about that in the first segment, but Coach Forbes, this wasn't one of the bites that we ran in segment one, but really lauded the bench and praised DeAndre Bernard and uh, Kavon Tucker, some guys that contributed off the pine on Saturday. Bernard played 11 minutes, Tucker 12. Obviously, there was Trey Boyd. If he does come off the bench, that's going to be a real weapon for ETSU. He dropped 20, but Bernard had five points in rapid succession. Tucker, uh, he only scored two, but also did some good things uh, defensively, uh, and that's what Coach Forbes said. He was like, I'm not sure I ever would have said that uh, he was going to be a defensive star since he made 118 threes last year, but he really likes how Kevon Tucker's developing defensively. ETSU's depth looks to be rounding into form, Kevin. No, you got that exactly right. You saw that the other night against uh, Martin with the, the 31 bench points. Yeah, Trey Boyd took up 20 of those, but uh, Bernard with that big three there midway through that second half that ignited that 29 to nine spurt to end the game and they put the Bucks up ahead uh, for good at 54 53 and the Bucks never looked back from there so just a big shot there and then right after a missed free throw Bernard had a big tip in as well so his point production yeah he finished with five points but they came at key points of the game and then yeah, most likely or not, Trey Boyd's not going to come off the bench but the Bucks had some some injuries late last week during practice so he was one of them, and he came off the bench to spark 20 points on his 20th birthday and hit five three-pointers. So anytime you get production off the bench like that, you've got to be pleased. And if he's starting, then that means someone else is coming off the bench, whether it's Bo Hodges like he did uh, against uh, Wofford and, uh, the other night. So you're going to get a lot of production off the bench, and that's good because his team is very deep. At one point, there are five guys averaging double figures in scoring. Right now they're close with, uh, I think, Bo's averaging nine and a half points. Um, Aladdin's averaging 9.7, and then there's four other guys that are averaging over double-figure scoring. So anytime you've got that production uh, coming off the bench and in the starting lineup, it's a, a good problem to have. Golden scoring for Trey Boyd on his golden birthday, perhaps the rarest of feats, 20 on 20. That's fantastic. Yeah, Bo Hodges, Trey Boyd, there's such depth, and there is such balance as well, Kevin. You not only look at the number of bodies that ETSU can go with, but – we're talking down low, we're talking outside, and one really feeds into the other, right? Jeromey Rodriguez and Milad Narmas have been a devastating post duo, but that really does help the backcourt on the perimeter, and Hodges, good, Boyd, get open looks. Tisdale didn't have a great game against UT Martin, went scoreless, but was facilitating, had five assists, a steal, and a rebound, and we know that he's very efficient with his touches. He can go for 20 on eight shots on any given night, so not only the depth of the team, but the balance when it comes to where players are producing on the floor. Yeah, and the one thing you look at the other night, and Coach talked about it, he was pleased with 21 assists on 31 makes. And you look at the guy that led the, the team in assists the other night with Milad and six assists. So you're not only are you getting production on, in points and rebounds with the big guys, but they can also dish the rock and find the open man. Jerome, I think, is one of seven players in Division One to be averaging 
a double-double and over six and a half assists per game. He had three assists the other night. So this team loves to pass the ball. They're not selfish. The one thing Coach talked about post-game, though, is sometimes they like to hit the home run ball, and that's why you see the turnovers uh, being as high as they are. 17 the other night, a season-high 22 against Reinhardt. And he said instead of hitting the home run, we got to try looking for singles and doubles first. And then once we kind of get into a flow, maybe then try to hit on that big play. But the, the way this team moves the basketball, the way that guys can step up and hit shots, it's fun to watch. Now, the only thing you want, might want to see more is get off to, to a better start in the first half. Right now, the Bucks they've had a lot of comeback wins and a lot of strong performances in the second half, outscoring opponents by over 100 points in the second half, 488 to 383. But I think one thing Coach would like to see is his team get off to a better start so they're not – coming back from a second-half deficit and have to put it on late. Yeah, you're mirroring exactly what we said in segment one, too, though there are some interesting stats regarding that that kind of show that it goes both ways. ETSU has been behind at the half a few times, but it hasn't been big aside from against uh, Sam Houston State when they were down 13 and obviously erased that deficit. Jeremy Rodriguez, you mentioned double-double and two-and-a-half-plus assists per game, one of seven in the country to do that, 21-16 and 16 on Saturday against UT Martin with those three assists. If you're to describe Jerome Rodriguez as a player to someone that hasn't seen him, and I ask you this simply because 21-16, you're thinking, oh, this is a big bruiser that lives within six or seven feet of the basket. I'd like you to dispel some of that because oftentimes you can see him in the high post and he can take guys off the dribble too. Oh, yeah, no, it's one, the one word that comes to mind is dominating. But, yeah, he's all around very, very athletic and very strong player, and yeah, he can dribble the ball up court. He'll have, he's comfortable with the ball in his hands, and he gets the job done. And, yeah, the one thing that people may see, oh, yeah, all he does is lift around the rim, dunk it, get second-chance points. But, no, he's, he's got an outside shot that can make make offenses uh, have to come out and be honest with him and trust him for that shot. And he's very fun to watch. And, you know, I sent a text out the other night to a couple guys, and since I've been watching ETSU basketball, I think he's one of my most favorite guys to watch. He just, he just gets it done on both ends of the court, and he doesn't care – What's going on? And the other night they, they talked about what do you like better, scoring or rebounding? The media asked him. He's like, I like rebounding because that's what sets up the points. You know, that's what sets up second chance points, and that's what that's my job. Now, yeah, he gets 21 points and averaging almost 11 points per game. But though his first mindset is I've got to get to the basketball, and he does a great job doing that. 16 rebounds the other night, and he's just fun to watch. Very and very great guy to know, and just the teammates love him. Now, you weren't the SID last year for men's basketball, so I'm not expecting a ridiculous in-depth breakdown on this year versus last year. It was Mike White, of course, last year. But you are plugged into everything when it comes to ETSU athletics, so I know you were very cognizant of what was going on with the 2017-18 team and even the first couple of years of head coach Steve Forbes and his time at ETSU. If you're to compare this year's team versus last year's team, or even if you want to go back to the 2016-17 team, that made the NCAA tournament, how would you do so? Where does this team stack up, do you feel, right now? I think it's important to note that ETSU has gotten very little out of Bo Hodges, yet they're still having the type of success that they are. If a few bounces would have gone their way, they certainly could be 10-1 and one, or even undefeated if those last four minutes against Wofford go a bit differently. Yeah, you talk about that. You know, our, our three losses are three games that you could have won, and uh, you could be looking here at 11-0 and 0 and being ranked like Furman is right now. But, no, you talk about this year and last year – uh, it, it's a, there's a lot of new guys this year and, and whatnot that are getting the job done. I think the more balanced scoring 
as we talked about, at one point there's five guys averaging double-figure scoring, and a lot of guys is getting the job done. Last year, you know, they've wanted to get the ball to DeSante Bradford and get the get the job done late. I think there's a lot more go-to guys this year that you could have trust in. And, you know, with the one-two punch with Mulatton and, and uh, uh, Rodriguez there with Jerome, that's a good combination that a lot of SoCon teams are going to have to figure out how are we, how are we going to stop this? Because we talked about it. Not only can they get the job done inside, but they can pass the pass it out to the open shooter and knock down a lot of good shots. You know, we haven't even mentioned Patrick Good's name, but when he gets going and he can hit the outside shot, it's very fun to watch him as well. So just a lot more well more well rounded and guys that just feed off each other and get the job done. ETSU versus Illinois this Saturday. You're from the area. How much are you going to enjoy going back home around the holiday season? Fantastic for Kevin Brown. Yeah, going to Champaign, I've never, you know, growing up in Illinois, you think I'd, I'd be a, a big Illini fan. I'm not. I've, I've never liked Illinois, never liked the in-state team, never even had a, a thought of going to school there. So to have ETSU put this game on the schedule and have them go up to Champaign, there's nothing more that I'd like to see than the Buccaneers walk out. It used to be Assembly Hall. I think now it's the State Farm Center. Walk out of that arena with a, with a win. And, you know, Illinois has kind of been down a little bit this year, uh, but they've played a tough schedule. Um, so it's not going to be an easy task. They're a Big Ten team. They're coming off a win against a good UNLV team the other night. So the Bucks are going to have their hands full, but it's it's a game that they can go in, and, and if they play well and don't turn the ball over, they have a great chance uh, late to, to seal the victory and come away with a Big Ten win. You never consider going to Illinois. Do I hear you saying that Illinois offers a second-rate education? Bulletin board material from the men's basketball SID. Uh, I'm not going to give me to okay. comment on that. They've Smart. got a good education. It's a good school, but it's just one school I've never never really thought of wanting to go to. I, I visited there. You know, the Chicago Bears played down there in the early 2000s and went to a couple games down there, but just never been a fan of the campus, never been a fan of the school, and, yeah, I've never cheered for them. So I, I have no love for them, and I hope we go in there and beat them bad. Way to avoid stepping on the grenade, but then also kind of step on the grenade after. That was well done. No problem, Mike. Thanks, Kevin. All right, have a good one. Kevin Brown, men's basketball SID, football SID, SID of everything essentially here at ETSU. That's on ETSU's win over UT Martin and a preview of the Illini coming up Saturday. When we're back, bold predictions recap with Jacob Townsend on the Buccaneer Sports Network. Let Ferguson's knowledgeable product experts kick off your next kitchen or bath project with the latest in touch and hands-free faucets. High-performance gas ranges or low-decibel dishwashers. They're really quiet. Request your appointment today at fergusonshowrooms.com. The best decision ever. Visit your local Ferguson showroom at 1000 Quality Circle in Johnson City and choose from an extensive lighting collection of the most sought-after brands. Find the one-of-a-kind fit for your home at Ferguson. The Firehouse Restaurant in downtown Johnson City has been a proud supporter of the Bucks since 1980. Our hickory smoked barbecue, sides, sauces, dressings, and desserts are all made from scratch because that's the way the locals like it. Our tailgate packs are available through Firehouse Catering for 12 or more, starting at just $8 per person. The packs are available all season on Fridays, Saturdays, and Mondays. For more information, visit thefirehouse.com. Come see us before the big game. The Firehouse, 627 West Walnut Street between ETSU and downtown Johnson City. Purchasing a new home, remodeling your home? First Bank and Trust makes applying for a loan easy. Our online application process is designed to allow you to stop anytime and pick up where you left off when it works for you. 
And after you submit an online application, you can check your loan status anytime. Visit or call me, Rose Fulton, today for help with your purchase, refinance, construction, or home loan. We're there for all your mortgage needs because we're your bank for life. Equal housing lender, member FDIC. This is the Pepsi that your father drank and your grandfather drank. When I was your age, we were. This is the Pepsi that your Uncle Ted drank when rock sounded like this. This is the Pepsi for American pastimes. Whether you're tailgating at a speedway or courtside watching your favorite player make a breakaway, he scores! This is the Pepsi for those who are forever fun. This is the Pepsi for every generation. No one knows better than the Bucks what it takes to compete on the college level. No one knows better than Bullseye what it takes to compete in the business market. At Bullseye, we provide innovative products and services to help our customers meet their business objectives, and you can count on us for graphic design, printing, mailing services, and much more. Bullseye, a preferred partner of the ETSU Athletic Department. Call Bullseye in Johnson City at 423-283-7772 or visit us on Hanover Road near Cheddar's. Bullseye for all your printing needs. Over the last 70 years, Johnson City Power Board has had a few different looks, but we've remained the same trusted partner you rely on. Now, we've changed our name to Bright Ridge to match our vision, to deliver on our promise of great service you can count on, embracing common sense technology to strengthen the communities we serve. We're glad to be your public power provider. Bright Ridge, new name, Renewed promise. Learn more at brightridge.com. LeBron is a Laker. Four-year, $154 million, a max deal. I'm ecstatic. I think it was the right situation, the right call for him to make. He wasn't going to get anything accomplished in Cleveland. That was obvious. ESPN has announced the network's new broadcast team for the 49th season of Monday Night Football. Former Dallas Cowboys tight end Jason Witten, who recently announced his retirement after a 15-year pro career, will immediately jump into the analyst role. LeVar Ball's big baller brand has gotten an F rating from the Better Business Bureau. The Browns dropped the ball all year long. Unfortunately, a team, a coach, an organization, not good enough to earn one win. The only win in the last two years came on Christmas Eve. Now here we are on New Year's Eve talking about a team that will go down as one of the worst in NFL history. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. A simple wrong would have done just fine. Bold predictions. I'm Mike Gallagher back on Santa's and the Sidekick. Boy, we've had Dan Walken, we've had Kevin Brown, and now maybe the biggest guest of the three. Jacob Townsend is back in studio. Jay Sando is out today with ETSU's campus closed. He has anything else going on. I'm, I'm not quite sure what. Yeah. But uh, Jacob Townsend back in studio. You've been listening to the show. Now, here's what I want. I, I don't think we give enough attention to the sound bites in the bumpers for Friday and Monday bold predictions. I said, as you could hear, that there was no way Jason Witten was going to Monday Night Football. There have been rumors this week that Jason Witten was – Courted, I guess, yeah. offered to come back to Dallas by Jason Garrett and Jerry Jones and trying to pry him from the broadcast booth. Twofold question. Firstly, am I brilliant for that part of it coming true? And I'm guessing you're, or, well, or at least it being bandied about. And secondly, is that bold prediction that was on the bumper just trying to help the world? Because all Jason Witten does is get shredded and torn apart for his commentary on Monday Night Football. Uh, first part, it, it, well, 
Yes, it was brilliant by you, Mike. Let's just go and get that out of the hey! way. It was very brilliant by you. Thank you. But uh, it was up in the air that if he was going to go to Monday Night Football, he decided to go. And now Jason Garrett wants him to come back because their tight end core is very, very bad there with the uh, Cowboys. It's lacking. But uh, I, I think Witten needs to stay in the booth. If this is something he's serious about, he needs to stay, get off Twitter. He actually made a Twitter joke last week during the broadcast. Wow. Uh, said, said, yeah, I've never loved on Twitter. It's okay, or something like that. When he was talking to Tess up there in the booth. I like it. Just give it time. Be patient. See, I defend him, too, because the, everyone wants to rush to judgment. Yeah. I mean, he has never done it before, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like in the off season he was going and commentating on Tony Romo's golf rounds, though that would have been hilarious and fun and maybe beneficial for Jason in this case. But I'm quick to come to his back because – People don't really understand, especially at that scale, what doing a broadcast mm-hmm. of that magnitude with total pros um, being watched by millions of people, everything that goes into it, and how many reps that yeah. guys like Tessator um, and guys like, well, of course, Romo was a natural. He just yeah. stepped in. And I think that kind of hurts Jason as well because they're just like, well, Romo did it. Why can't you do it? But yeah. The guys that do it for a living and guys that have had years and years of experience, those are invaluable reps. And like anything, you're going to get better as things go along. Yeah, and the thing for Witten was they kept talking about all the um, practices they had with bringing in the uh, candidates for the new Monday Night Football gig, going up to Tessator's house in Connecticut, and they said Witten just blew them away. The biggest thing for me was what blew them away because nothing that he's done so far did they throw some tape on at Tessator's house and be like all right break down this play Jason like that seems weird they actually did like a whole game wow yeah they came in suit and ties and everything that's amazing yeah uh well since I'm running board today and you're technically the guest since I'm kind of putting this show together on the fly I'm gonna go ahead and get myself one of these I am the smartest man alive you said it you said I'm brilliant so I'm gonna go ahead and go with that how'd bold predictions go this week uh you did not do you were, You're you telling were me so I'm not close. the smartest man alive? Mike, you were so close but uh, so far away. But let's gosh. give an update on the standings going into last week. Yep. Uh, you had 12 right, batting 308 in the year. Jay had only 8 right, batting 195. This is my last week on the show, Mike. Oh. I asked Jay to just please get to over 200. You did. Let's see if he got there. Yeah. Uh, let's start off with y'all's uh, ETSU basketball prediction. Jay actually had two of them. Okay. He had uh, two players getting double-doubles against UT Martin. Jerome Rodriguez did. Mladen Armas came just short of it, though, 10-8-6, mm. so he only got one there. Trey Boyd on his birthday, Jay said he would get six three-pointers. He only got five. Oh, so it's not only me yeah. that was just on the edge, on the cusp of absolute perfection with these predictions. Yeah. Jay Sandoz was within inches as well, within a board or two, within one three. Pro- I'm guessing that one of Trey Boyd's threes rattled around and came out yeah. during the game, so that would have made Jay Sandoz the smartest man alive. Well, you know, we were sitting here listening to the game, me, yep. and, uh, me and you, yep. on Saturday, and he Trey got off to a little bit of a slow start. Yeah. If he had maybe gone off to a little bit of a hotter start, Jay Sandos maybe had a chance there. Ouch. Five, though, would have been a bold enough prediction, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't he have just ended it at five? Uh, well, you know, it, I think we all got a bit greedy on bold predictions. You week. said it, I didn't. Yeah. Uh, you said three players would get at least 20 points or more against UT Martin. Uh, Two. Uh, Jerome Rodriguez, 21. Uh, Trey Boyd, 20. And I can't really say that anyone else was close. Yeah. Patrick Good had 14, Laden yeah. Armas had 10, but if you wind back the tape, and I have not, but the Friday show was well listened to, I mm-hmm. think, simply because Austin Herrick uh, had some awesome storytelling about his recruiting and his 
collegiate career and obviously a revered figure on the ETSU yep. community. So if you've gone back and listened to that show, if you haven't listened to the last segment, it was only four or five minutes. We had gone well over time, one of the longest shows in history, without a doubt. Jacob Townsend was back in the studio, I'm sure, just twiddling his thumbs saying, guys, you can wrap it up at any time. Yeah. But I waffled on two or three above 20 points. I was like, it's too bold enough. And, of course, two got it. And yeah. Three, I... I I wanted it all. I wanted the brilliance. I wanted I wanted the apex of bold predictions, and that's what happens. You know, just take what comes to you. Don't force it, Jacob. That's a good way to live for your life. Well, uh, uh, yeah. I'll, you know, with graduating, I'll write that down for a little bit of advice. You know, you do have guy. about uh, six days, five days until graduation, yeah. so you can use all the life advice you can get. And, I mean, obviously, I'm one of the best ones to give it to you, right? Well, you're better than your co-host. Um, Arizona State, you said, would beat uh, <laughs> Buffalo on Friday night. Uh, the only issue with that was they were playing Nevada. Now, <laughs> now, now I, I have I have a question. If they would have beaten Nevada, would you still have given me the bold no. prediction? No, no, because I was making that game up. I don't know yeah. what I was thinking, but I was literally looking at my phone at Nevada, Arizona State pair undefeated teams on mm-hmm. Friday night, two top twenty teams. And I was like, I was too caught up. You know what it was? I got too cute. I was too caught up in the Herm Edwards angle. Yep. And bringing in Herm and how he has an effect on all the programs. I also got confused about Bobby Hurley, former Buffalo coach that's yep. now at Arizona State. You, you said that to me on Saturday when we were doing the game, and I was like, wait, really? Yeah. I, I still had no idea a full day later that I had confused Buffalo yeah. and Nevada. So really making up a bold prediction, uh, again, I, I get greedy. I'm thinking that teams that aren't even playing each other can beat them. It was actually still a pretty good game. Arizona State uh, pushed Nevada to the end there. Uh, Nevada won 72-66. to 66. I think I probably deserve both of these. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber. You stubborn, stupid, silly man! You, 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 you Boom. stubborn, stupid, silly man! I think emphasis on the stupid in this case. Did we talk about that thing falling apart, The uh, our little box machine over there? Yeah. That sort of stuff is what's going to push it to its end. That's fair enough. Well, maybe it's for the better because it's like 20 years old. We need something new. Yeah, but I'm just trying to advance that. technology. We can't afford that. Uh, you all are paying me uh, Way too, too much. much. Yeah. And uh, you're going to give that to Trey when I'm gone. All right, let's go back to Sandos here on NFL predictions. He said the Colts over the Texans. The Colts came back. And won 24 to 21. So Jay got that one right. Go ahead and hit it for him. He is the smartest man in the universe. I just still don't think that that's that bold of a prediction. The Colts were piping hot going into that game. I know Houston had won nine in a row. And their streak, I believe, started against yes. Indianapolis. And then Indianapolis was the one that ended it. I watched that game. And it was a good contest. I was kind of bitter about the NFL offerings that we got in this yeah. area this weekend because it was what Houston, Indianapolis and Tampa Bay, New Orleans, like every other game went down to the final seconds and New Orleans, Tampa Bay was just kind of a ho-hum game. And really that Houston, Indianapolis game wasn't necessarily close until the very end. It was a 10 point game, most of the fourth quarter. And, you know, usually we get the Patriots games in this area just because of the big sell that they are. But when it's actually a really good game, do we get them? No. And give us a Carolina Cleveland game too. That'd be cool. Uh, Dick Stockton. (laughs) <laughs> who apparently was brilliant, <laughs> member of the Santos and the Sidekick Hall of Fame. Um, I didn't want the Atlanta-Green Bay game, even though going into the game, that's the one. Those teams aren't good, but yeah. they have been over so many years in a row. You're like, oh, man, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers. How about this hot take? I saw um, it was just some random, you know, like 40,000, 50,000 Twitter followers mm-hmm. uh, gal. She covers the NFL for some blog. I'm not sure who it was, but she said, no one's going to convince me that Matt Ryan has ever been anything but above average at best. And I was like, wow, 
like never has been great. He he's gonna have eight straight four thousand yard yeah. seasons. He has an MVP. He has an MVP, and so that I thought was a, a bit Bowl. egregious. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, I, I think Matt Ryan's a tad underrated at times. To that lady that said that about Matt Ryan. You stubborn, stupid, silly man. Woman. There we go. <laughs> oh no. All right, let's go to you, uh, Mike, on your NFL predictions. You decided to parlay these two. Ah. You are going to regret that, my ah. friend. You said Raiders over Steelers. Wait with, a second, wait a second. They're a genius. Okay. Sort of. Oh. Big Ben got hurt. Knocked me out of my fantasy championship because Big Ben got hurt. Ouch. Uh, the Raiders won 24-21. Last second touchdown pass by Derek Carr. But you also said the Saints would lose to the Bucks. Just when I think back. you couldn't possibly be any dumber. I thought it was yeah. smart early. Yeah. Saints came back and won, though. I also did not remember which game I parlayed. I was looking. I thought it, I thought it was Detroit, and then I was like, well, wait a second. Oh, they play Arizona. I, I couldn't remember, and so I was looking at all these upsets. I was like, oh, was it Miami? And then I remember that I hate Ryan Tannehill, so of course it wasn't Miami. I, I kept going through them, and I was like, wow, if I would have picked any of these with the parlay of Pittsburgh-Oakland, yeah. I would be – in business. My question for you is, if you had to have just picked one going back to Friday, your mindset? It was it was Oakland okay. and, and Pittsburgh. Because of Gruden. Yeah, because of Gruden. But I was, I don't know what I was thinking. You know, yeah. I, was, I was not in my right state of mind on Friday, I don't think. Yeah. What are the Saints? Because that would have been a back-to-back losses by Saints if they had lost. Because they lost to the Cowboys the week before. <sighs> Should have so, known. Yeah. Uh, you're now still sitting at 12, Mike, batting 286. Jay, now nine right, batting 205. He gave you the ultimate gift. He gave you what you wanted. A great way to send off bold predictions. I don't know what we're going to do on bold predictions now. we got to go back to the drawing board. You've kept a book of it the whole year. I don't know if you're going to pass that book down to someone or if it's going to stay here in the studio. What's going to go on? Whatever you all want, it's my gift to you. We uh, we have two more broadcasts before you are gone. Uh, Friday, you're going to co-host the show with Jay. I will be out. Uh, going back to Minneapolis. But that is the rightful thing to do for a man on his last day with the Buccaneers Sports <laughs> Network. Your last game will be Thursday, ETSU Women's Basketball versus North Carolina a That is also the next broadcast on the Buccaneers Sports Network for ETSU Athletics. But we have three more episodes of Santos and the Sidekick before then. Join us tomorrow, SoundCloud, iTunes. Santos and the Sidekick, Jay back tomorrow on the Buccaneers Sports Network.